How many of you have ever like run in some kind of race? Like you you ran in some kind of race? Have, have you? How many of you have run the Boulder Boulder or walked the Boulder Boulder? How many of you have ever run or walked the Boulder Boulder in an open wave? So basically what that means is that you don't have to qualify to be in that wave. And if you know anything about that specific race, you know that the open wave is where all of the people who are just there for the beer are. And so, like, the problem with that is that if you're actually there to run the race, that means that you're constantly having to weave and dodge around all of those people. And so the very first time I ran the Boulder Boulder, that's the wave I ran in. And I did not enjoy it at all. It was not... It was like constantly weaving in and out of people who were walking, and it was just not enjoyable. And so the, the following year, that, follow, that later that year, they do another event called the Colder Boulder. And so if you, if you take your time that you ran the Boulder Boulder in and submit it when you register for the Colder Boulder, you can run in a qualified wave. And there are way less people in the qualified wave. And so this is what happened. I, I registered for the colder boulder and I submitted my time and I waited to hear back. And this is the email I received. I, I don't know if you can see that. It says, hi, I see that you registered for the 62 to 64 minute invite race for the colder boulder. Unfortunately, your boulder boulder time does not qualify for this invite race. We will place you in the open race, which did not make me happy for, for a couple of reasons, because one, the rest of the people I was running with were all running in qualified waves, which was way earlier and also, number two, it was really cold. And so I had to be there at the same time everybody else was running. But I was going to have to stand around and be cold the entire morning until almost 10 o'clock. And I didn't want to do that. She says, please let me know if you have any questions. So this was my response. I don't know if you can see it. It's one word. <laughs> This was her response to my one response. Where, Hi, Sam. Disregard. You are still in the 62 to 64 minute. There was a slight mix-up. So I ran. I ran. And I looked fabulous. They, those are green. That they are green tights. So I think we've all been in situations where we felt like, like, like we didn't qualify, like we didn't belong, like this wasn't where we were supposed to be, that like, like this wasn't, like we weren't enough. Like the, the, the skill set, maybe you were, went in for a job interview or you applied for a job 
and and you got a response back saying that your level of qualification didn't meet the qualifications for the job. Anybody experience anything like that? The the uh, to be fair, the other end of the spectrum is not any more reassuring when you find out that you're overqualified. That's I have that is dumb. I don't understand that one, but so like I think we've all experienced that. Those places where where we we have walked in and felt like we didn't belong. Like this wasn't our space. This isn't what we were meant to do or like like you don't belong here. I remember when I first walked into Bible college. It was so weird because everybody was so much younger than I was. I went as a married student with two kids and Everybody there was just out of high school. I felt like I didn't belong. That is, that is one of the worst feelings. This morning, we're kicking off a brand new series called Enough. The series is going to walk through the book of Colossians. Um, the book of Colossians is an epistle, which is a letter It's a letter written to the church in Colossae. Now, this is a kind of a unique letter. Um, A lot of people put it in the same category as the book of Ephesians. It has very similar themes. The book of Colossians was written to the church in Colossae, which happens to be a church that Paul didn't start. He had heard through uh, the grapevine that there was this group of people who were serving Jesus in Colossae. And so he took it upon himself to write to this church. Now, it's interesting because, like, so many of the letters that we see that Paul writes, so many of the places that he visits, so many of the places where he expends a lot of energy are all really significant places in terms of geographic sociopolitical, all of those kinds of things. Like, they're significant, they're strategic places. Colossae was interesting because it used to be strategic. It used to be a place that was on, like, the map. But by the time Paul is writing to them, it's really a small town that's out of the way and nobody knows anything about it. Like, to this day, like, Almost all of the areas that ministry has happened throughout the the first century have been excavated in archaeology. Colossae, they haven't even bothered with. They haven't done a single excavation there. So it's interesting that Paul is taking time out of his time in prison to write to an unknown group that don't know him, that don't know his story, that don't know anything about him. But more importantly, that nobody else knows anything about them. They're practically invisible. It's interesting that Paul spends time writing to this group of people. And he has some really interesting things to say. We're going to start in chapter 1. We're going to start in verse number 9. It says, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge 
of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. For this reason, since we, the, the day we heard about you, we, Paul, Paul, from the moment that he heard about this obscure group of people, from the moment he began to pray for them. And he, his prayer was, God, fill them with the knowledge of your will. Fill them with the knowledge of your, your will so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Pay attention to that. So like Paul is saying, I'm praying for you that you'll know his will so that you'll be able to live a life worthy, okay? He's calling these people to live a life that's worthy. Let's move on to verse 11. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you. So that you may live a life that's worthy, but the Father who has qualified you. Called to live a life that's worthy, but we're serving a Father who has qualified you. To share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. goes on in verse 13 and he says, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So the beginning he says, I'm praying that you will know God's will so that you can live a life worthy. But then he says, The Father has qualified you. He has rescued you. And in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. So far, it seems like if we're going to put a column of who is responsible for what, trying to determine what what part is my part, what part is his part, all of the parts are his part. Like all of the things are his responsibility. He has qualified us. He's asking us to live a life that's worthy, but so far he has been the one that has rescued us. And in him we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Going on in verse 15, he says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created. In him all things were created. So he's establishing not only that that Jesus is the the way that God redeems the world. He's establishing his authority to do it. Because Jesus was there from the beginning. Jesus participated in all of the important parts. Jesus was there when heaven and earth were created. Jesus was there when the visible and invisible were created. Jesus was there 
when the thrones and powers and authorities and rulers, every single piece, every single Adam, Jesus was there from the very beginning. All things have been created in him and for him. He is before all things. And in him all things hold together. Think about that. I mean, scientists wrestle with what holds everything together. Scripture tells us God in Jesus holds everything together. God in Jesus is the glue that holds it all together. You know, I think, I think sometimes the way we view the created world is that God kind of spun this top and he like set back and is waiting for it to topple over. But that's not what scripture teaches us. God is creator. He creates from the beginning. He sets in motion. He creates function and form. But not only that, he holds all of the pieces together. The things in in life that he creates, he is constantly creating. Verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. Who are the dead? Me. You. All of us. He's the firstborn. He goes before us and he is raised to life before us. He's the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself some of the things, part of the things. The things he likes the best, the things we understand. No. Through him to reconcile to himself all things. I wish... I wish, I wish, if there was one word that we would begin to take seriously in the Bible, if there was one word that we would begin to take to heart in the Bible, if there was one word in the Bible that we would, like, we would just take seriously, it's that, that word, it's that three little letters, all, to reconcile himself to all things. We want to put limitations on what God can reconcile. We want to put limitations on what God can do. All all of this, all of that, but we, we put parameters on it. But God doesn't put parameters on it. God says to reconcile himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So let's track with this argument that Paul's making because he's making, he's saying something. He's building a case for something. We go back to the beginning and he says, I've called all people, we've called you to live a life worthy. Then he goes on and says that I have qualified you through Jesus. And then he builds this case that Jesus is supreme over all. He's master of all. He was there at the beginning. He is the head of the church. And in him, all things are reconciled. 
Verse 21. He says, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. That is a really interesting thing. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your mind, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Once you weren't qualified. Once you didn't belong. Once you didn't have a place. Once you weren't a part of the plan. Once you were an outsider. But now you are reconciled to Christ. Reconciled to God by Christ's physical body. It's all done. The work is already complete. Jesus has already done all of the things that were necessary for you to be included in his family. He has done everything that is necessary for you to be a part of what God's doing. He's already done all of it. Every piece. Can I, can I be honest with you? One of the things I really struggle with when I, when I read the Bible, when I read Scripture, when I hear people talk about Scripture, and they, they refer to God as a father, I really struggle with that. I really struggle when I read those words because I, I don't... I mean, I have an idea of what that's supposed to look like. I have an idea of what that's supposed to mean, what that's supposed to be about, but I don't know firsthand. See, I grew up, my dad was very uninvolved with my life, very uninvolved with the different pieces of my life. There were moments throughout my life that he completely missed. And the message that I received was that well, I had a, a wonderful, amazing mom. And I'm not just saying that because she's here. I didn't have a dad. And, and in so many ways, I felt like I didn't belong. I felt in so many ways like I was an orphan. And, and guess what? For each one of us, for each one of us, there is a message that's been crafted and created just for you. That message makes us feel like we don't belong, makes us feel like we aren't qualified, makes us feel like we don't fit. And that message is specific, it is timely, and it is personal. That message speaks directly to who you are, at the exact right moment to cut you down, to tell you that you don't belong, that you don't have a place, that God does not want you, that you aren't a part of his plan. That message is specific, it is timely, and it is made 
just for you. But guess what? The grace in Jesus, this work that he's already done, he's already completed. In Jesus, all of the pieces, all of the parts are already done. This work that he has completed, this grace provided in Jesus is also personal. It is also timely. And it is also specific. This grace, this message that God replaces this former message with is also specific. It is also timely. And it is also personal. This message is for you. God wants you to know that he's already done the work for you. He's already accomplished all of the things that are necessary for you. He's already done all of the work. He's already responded. There was a slight mix-up. You are in the wave that you, you wanted to be. He's already responded. So here's the challenge for us this morning. What are we going to do with that? I, I think the beautiful thing about that is that the freedom that that grace gives us actually enables us to live a life that is worthy. The freedom that that grace provides us gives us the space, gives us the freedom, the ability to pursue God without any hindrance, without any obstacle, without anything in the way. And as Basil shared this morning, it's not about you. I've already done the work. Jesus is enough. You say, well, I'm not enough. I'm not enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not qualified enough. I don't have what it takes. I've made, you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what, I've, what, what things have happened to me. You don't know. Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. And here's the thing. This is the most amazing, most beautiful part about all of this is that, that we serve a God that is not, he is not nervous. He, he's not sitting here thinking, well, what, what is Basil going to do? What, what, what if Basil doesn't accept this thing that I've given, well, this thing that I've done for him? What if Basil doesn't do that? He is not nervous. He is already at work. A couple weeks ago, I, I had this friend that had sent me this song, and I actually was scrolling through my text messages with him, and I saw this song. I saw him say, hey, you need to listen to this song. And then I saw the link to the song, and then I saw my next response to him was like two weeks later, and it completely, I didn't see that previous message. I didn't hear that previous message. I didn't ever listen to that song. And, and when I actually did pull up that song, I said, that message is specific 
It's timely and it's personal. When I did pull up that song, I sat in my office and cried <laughs> because I needed to hear the message. And I, I'm, I'm going to play this song for you in just a minute because I think it's timely for all of us. And so let me, give, let me set up the song for you a little bit before, before you do. There's one singer, but two voices. And the first voice is a repeated refrain from the singer. And in the last response, the response is from God to the singer, to all of us. And so as we close out this message, as we close out this time together, I want, I'll have some closing remarks at the end, but I, I, want, I want us to listen to this song. And, I, and I, want, I want you to just close your eyes. I want you to focus in on what Jesus has already accomplished, what he's already done, but how the way that we respond to God is so often based on the messages that have been given to us. We respond to God like we don't belong, like we're not a part of his plan, that he can't possibly love us. We respond to God in this specific way, but we're responding off of old information. And so, as David rolls this song, I, I just I want to challenge you when we get to the end part. I just want to, I want you to hear Jesus' voice for you this morning.